Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of our Off-Road Retorque series here on Whiskey Throttle Media. I'm your host, Brent Bowser. Before we jump into the podcast, I wanted to give a shout out to Beta USA for coming on board and sponsoring our podcast. They're a big supporter of Whiskey Throttle Media. They have lots of cool bikes out there from two-stroke, four-stroke. They're coming out with that new 450 four-stroke that you'll see Benny Bloss and Colt Nichols is racing on in Supercross in 2024. So if you haven't checked them out, go on to betausa.com. You can see the models they have available, and you can find a dealer near you. Today, we're here with Precision Concepts Kawasaki's Zach Bell. What's going on, Zach? How are you, man? Doing good, man. Just finishing up a full day of training and just getting on here with you. Awesome, man. Well, hey, we appreciate you taking the time to do this with us today. It's always cool to talk to you guys on the off-road side of things and hear a little bit different perspective than the normal moto and supercross side. So, hey, for those who aren't familiar with you, go ahead and give us a little background on yourself. How old you are, where you're from, when you started riding, just things that people wouldn't know about you. Yeah. So I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida. That's where I was born and raised. My family had purchased some property in Cairo, Georgia, next to MTF and GPF. We had a facility there for close to 15 years before I had to make a full-time commitment to move out here in California. When I turned 16 to ride for Geico Honda, I rode for Geico Honda for about I think it was one year amateur, three year pro, which was a pretty cool deal to come up as an amateur being in the team green and then switching to Honda. That was pretty cool. I also raced for Rockstar Husqvarna for a full season in 2015. And then I had some injuries that I needed to take some time away from racing and took about a year off and came back and actually had an offer to do some off-road and I've been doing off-road since 2017 now. and currently 28 years old. So I've been doing off-road seven years. So the last seven years have been pretty good. Yeah, it's crazy. It feels almost like yesterday when I remember you switching to the off-road side of things and thinking back now, it's, that was, you know, like 20, I think it was like around 2017 when you switched over. It it seems like it hasn't been that long, but when you put it that way, I mean, you're 28 now, you know, you turned pro in 2012, you're, you know, really young. Um, It's crazy how fast time flies. Yeah, I mean, when you're having fun and um, everything's clicking, it's it goes by so quick. And yeah, it is crazy because it does feel like it wasn't that long ago. But saying seven years, it man, that's that's a long time. Yeah, for sure. So you grew up in Tennessee. You know, are you Tallahassee? In Tallahassee, and so yeah. you're based out of California now. Yeah. How, you know, do you miss being back east? Are you adapted to the California lifestyle, or do you still miss um, it? No, I've I've been here in California. You know since 2013 um so 10 years now um and i enjoy it you know the riding's good there's always a lot of fast guys to ride with at glen helen or um any of the tracks so that was you know a really big positive for me to come out here and um, ride with a lot of fast guys so um i enjoy it i mean where i live in ukaipa it's it's quiet there's a lot of hills so all my training on mountain biking or cycling is a lot of fun there's a lot of scenery and um, but I do miss being back east. Um, you know, there's a lot of family that um, still live there that haven't, you know, moved here. And um, so, yeah, there's a there's a side of me that misses it, but um, I enjoy it out here. I I got a lot of friends and um, some family out here with my wife. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. And you mentioned back when you're younger, you know, you had a facility and things like that. When you were growing yeah. up, did you attend public school or were you homeschooled? Um, so I got put into homeschooling when I was in fourth grade. Um, once I started, I guess, winning races and, um, 
vaguely remember it, but super young, <laughs> um, was homeschooled and we started traveling and racing basically every weekend. And it turned into a full-time job when I was such a young kid. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I looked back and I mean, you started going to Loretta's and I think it was 2000 on a you know, first year on a 50. And so, I mean, yeah. it looks, you know, you've been at it a long time. Yep. Um, were you ever into any other sports or did moto consume pretty much your whole life? Yeah. Moto has been my entire life. Um, since I was, I believe four years old when I started riding and, um, it's still my entire life now. Yeah, that's cool. And at least it's something you enjoy that you can, you know, do for a living where us normal people have, have jobs that maybe we rather would be riding and stuff, but we didn't have, you know, we weren't obviously as good as you were. So it's cool yeah. that you're able to do what you like to do and, you know, still, still have fun at the same time and almost be like a kid, even though, you know, you're 28 years old now. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, being my age, I am now, I, I feel really good and still feel like a kid. So that's, that's a good part about it. Obviously injuries come into play where mm-hmm. you know, some days are harder than others, but I mean, to be able to have this as my full-time job, I've really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I don't take it for granted and I just put in the work and have fun while I'm doing it. So it's, it's a blessing to have this job. For sure. Well, before we dive too far into the moto side of things, I want to ask you some would you rather questions that just to get to know you a little bit more personally. First one is, would you rather win the lottery or live twice as long? Um, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, living twice as long just to see a lot more things in life that, um, that you probably couldn't. I know if you won the lottery, you could probably see a lot of things quicker, um, <laughs> but I enjoy life. Um, I enjoy waking up and, um, riding and to be able to do that as twice as long would probably be a lot more fun for me. For sure. And would you rather be a kid your whole life or an adult your whole life? Um, I like being an adult, you know, I've, um, like I said, I've moved out here in 2016. So being um, responsible and um, I really enjoyed that and buying houses and owning real estate and uh, taking care of things. I, I really enjoy being an adult. Um, so I I would rather be an adult. Pros and cons, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> would you rather explore space or the ocean? Um, I'm an ocean kind of guy. Um, I love going to the beach love going on cruises. So anything on water boats, I would love to explore the ocean. Yeah, it's cool. And the ocean freaks me out just because we know more about space than we do the ocean. So yeah. (laughs) Uh, Last one on this is, would you rather travel back in time or travel to the future? Um, I would like to travel into the future for sure. I've I've had a good past and um, there's nothing to look back at. And um, so I, I would like to travel to the future for sure. Cool. If you could eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Any guilty pleasures you have? You know, I know you guys are on a, you know, probably a pretty strict training program with, you know, riding off-road. Maybe you don't have to be as strict because you're burning so many calories and exerting a lot of energy, but is there something that you enjoy that if you can only eat one meal for the rest of your life? Um, I love pizza. I mean, that's like my (laughs) go-to. I mean, it's not a cheap meal for me just because you said off-road, but Mm -hmm. pizza is probably my main my main thing I could just eat every day I I don't know why it's just pizza's pizza for me yeah I'm with you on that and it kind of off topic though on so on the training is it you're training a lot different on the off-road side than it was when you were you know racing moto yeah I mean we have um so our training days are quite a bit longer on the on the bike side 
Um, we raced for two hours on the weekends. So to be able to sustain two hours on a bike, you have to kind of be mentally tough for that. Obviously we're, we're physically strong and, um, but being able to ride a lot more, um, cycling instead of doing hour cycles, it's, you know, three hour cycles. And, um, so like, yeah, eating, we have to eat a lot more. I had to put on probably, I was weighing at like 125 when I was on Geico. I'm up to 145 now. So I had to learn how to eat, um, and be able to put on some good, healthy weight and maintain that to be able to like, when, when we do these races, we burn so fast and mm-hmm. so much through our sugar or our protein. So being able to get all that in, it's hard. It really is like doubling my calorie intake and protein intake. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. I can imagine. And I was going to ask you that is, you know, you were a pretty small guy, right. When you turned pro and riding a yeah. 250 and then, you know, fast forward, you know, you're on a 450 riding off-road where the speeds are really high and, um, you know, you mentioned, I mean, even at 145, that's pretty small for a 450, but, um, uh, was that something that took you a while to get used to just, you know, trying to manhandle the bike at just being so small? Um, so I I've grown up with, uh, you know, being able to ride the bike, um, with it being pretty light up under me. So I'm not super aggressive with like hammering bumps and stuff. Um, kind of like Eli, I mean, he's, he's a man and he can just mm-hmm. ride through anything where I've had to kind of learn. <laughs> with me being a little bit smaller, how to kind of float on the bike. Um, so yes and no, I mean, as you know, racing supercross and motocross, it was a little different because you could do that for 30 minutes and get away with it. Mm-hmm. Or now racing for two hours, you do it for 30 minutes, but then you regret doing that. So you have to, you know, be able to adapt to the track differently, um, and, um, not take the main line. And, um, so yeah, it was being a, a, a little bit more difficult, just trying to, uh, I guess being lighter on the bike, like I said, I was good at, um, growing up. So, um, just being able to maintain that, um, is, is pretty hard. For sure. Do you have any pet peeves? And if so, what is one of your biggest pet peeves? Ah, biggest pet peeve. Let's see. Um, I like my things kind of in order. Um, I like when things are kind of planned out and, um, not half-assed and, so when I show up to the races or, um, something's just not kind of in order, that's, that's a big pet peeve to me. Yeah. I can relate to that. I'm very organized and tidy yeah. and, you know, it almost gives you like anxiety when stuff's yeah. not, not how yeah. you want it to be. And what, once it finally is, you're good, but it yeah. takes a minute. Um, yeah, uh, that... the, <laughs> last one, um, on this topic is what, is there something that people don't know about you? You have any, like, hidden talents that people don't know, or it's just something that people wouldn't know about you. Um, I, I play video games from 5 PM till 10 PM every night. I (laughs) I'm a gamer. I mean, I like to play games. I've always, you know, liked playing games when I was younger, just we would ride all day. And, you know, when the sun was set, we would just play games. And so I'm not great, great at them, but I'm pretty good. And, um, I don't think a lot of people know that I play video games, but dude, I'm a gamer at heart and, um, Xbox, PlayStation, Call of Duty, Fortnite, everything. I just, <laughs> a lot of people don't know that side of me. Yeah. I was going to ask, well, what's your go-to, what, well, you know, which one do you find yourself playing the most? Um, so as a recently, I mean, Warzone was taken away from that, that season. 
Um, so trying to find a niche that's like Warzone is hard. And I mean, we have Fortnite, but super right. cartoony. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it would be uh, it would be Warzone for sure. Call of Duty. Cool. Yeah. I mean, not not the worst habit to have. Right. I mean, it keeps yeah. you, it keeps you safe and responsible. Right. As long as yeah, you get I mean, your other I'm, stuff done. So you're good. Yeah. I'm not out partying or exactly doing anything crazy. I'm home with the dogs and playing video games. Can't beat that. So, hey, jumping back in the moto side of things, you know, you were, you know, pretty much a stand up, a standout amateur, you know, working your way through the ranks. And, you know, the last year at Loretta's, you know, you won the 258 class, you won the Horizon Award and, yep. um, you know, a lot of big accomplishments before you even turned pro. And obviously winning that Horizon Award is no joke. And like you mentioned, you know, you were already signed to the Geico Honda team before you turned pro. How was that growing up and, you know, getting to that point where you got signed on a team before you turned pro and, and kind of solidified your path into the pro ranks? Was that something, you know, you always dreamed of and was kind of surreal? Just walk us through for, for, you know, a lot of people out there that never had that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, growing up with what I had a facility, I, I had everything um, to be ready and um, I didn't just get that handed to me, obviously when I was, younger I had won a lot of races and um, I had a lot of sponsors that were able to um, get me to that point um, and I was just set up for success at the time um, super young and um, like I said I won a lot of races I believe I had like 97 or 98 national championships before I even um, turned pro so I had a lot of support from um, a lot of different people that were able to kind of put me in a spot um, to, to make me succeed. And whenever I turned pro, it was, I mean, it, it's completely different from, um, a pro to an amateur. There's, there's a lot more expectations. There's a lot more training. Um, there's just a lot that goes into it when you're super young and you're not mature. And, um, you know, I've always been told to, uh, to work what, you know, to work for what you want. And that's, you know, what I did. I woke up every morning. It was two 45 minute motos every day. And, um, so it wasn't easy. Like people think like, oh, you just raced dirt bikes, you know, you were handed this. No, I mean, it, it wasn't like that. I grew up young, um, four years old on a dirt bike and it was an everyday thing every weekend. Um, a lot of people complain about working on weekends, but I worked Monday through Sunday. Um, so it was definitely hard, but whenever I turned pro, there was a lot of expectations. There were some injuries that I wish that I could have recovered from a little bit quicker um, and teams expected you to be a little bit quicker on the recovery side. And um, so it was hard. It was an uphill battle, um, but it was definitely enjoyable once I was able to get to that point and be like, wow, I, I finally made it. And um, I rode for the most prestigious 250 team at the time. And um, that was a huge bucket list um, goal that I was you know, trying to achieve. And I finally got it. Um, it was just like, wow, like, you know, I, I finally done everything that I wanted to, and now I got to work it, you know, on the pro side. And unfortunately things didn't work out, but I'm thankful for where I am now and, um, can't complain about that. Yeah. I was going to ask you, you know, with having success you had and, you know, signing with a team the last year amateur and then going in the pros and obviously winning the horizon award. Do you think that added more expectations on yourself or you were, you're expected to do more things than a normal rookie. Cause you know, when you come in, it's totally different than racing amateur, right? You have a lot more guys, everybody, yeah. everyone's fast, you know, 
did you feel like more pressure because of all that or were you just um, still trying to learn or like or did it you know i was just curious like on the team side was there a lot of pressure or were they more yeah, like hey, i mean they say there isn't any pressure when you're coming in but <laughs> you know there is yeah. um because they just signed a kid that mm -hmm. you know is expected to be the next guy and um so when i was younger no i didn't feel that pressure um i just knew i needed to ride my dirt bike the best i could and um, you know, some days I was the fastest guy out there. Like we mm -hmm. were doing test days, um, with Geico and dude, I was, I was smoking Eli some days and I'm just like, you know, it just felt so natural, but when you, it's different from when you do practice to racing. So mm -hmm. being 16 years old, trying to manage a race day is completely different than going out there practicing that. So that, that was the main thing I struggled with was just, man, how do I make things work on race day when, you know, weekdays during the practice days were so easy and training was easy. And um, coming into the weekends, you know, sometimes I were hurt and um, it was just trying to, you know, how do I manage this and um, try to, you know, achieve these achieve these expectations that the team want. Um, even though they say there's no expectations mm -hmm. the first year, it's just a learning year. But <laughs> when you get back to the rig and they're like, well, why, why did this happen? Or, mm -hmm. you know, it's so it's, it's a double-edged, double-edged sword that you just can't get around. I mean, there is expectations, but when you're that young, it doesn't feel like it. I know. And I always think, you know, knowing what you know now, you know, when you turn pro, you were around, you know, 16 years old, you're obviously still a kid, right? You're, yeah. You've developed a lot, your mental, everything, everything is, comes much more easier, right? Cause you have, you have more experience now. So you, it would be, you know, I'd be curious, you know, if you can take your, experience now at being a 16 year old kid, then, you know, if it would have, you know, if you would have had different thoughts or how things would have gone, it's crazy for when you guys turn pro at such a young age and you really don't know what you don't know. And all these expectations are on you guys. And and really you only have a, you know, a year or two at most to kind of prove it or else it's like on to the next. So it's, it's like a dog eat dog world and our sports pretty brutal that way. Yeah. And like I said, um, being 16 years old, um, signing with the most prestigious 250 guys. Um, <clears throat> it just goes back to just being, you know, not matured enough. Like we're, we're so young. So, I mean, just being able to manage days are just completely different now to where I know what I need to do. Um, I know what to expect for myself. And, um, you know, I, I feel like the, the role changed um, that year. Uh, I think the year before me, it was like you had to be 18 years old before you turn pro. So um, with my contract, it was like, hey, like we have to do another two years amateur. Um, I was ready to turn pro at the time. But mm -hmm. thinking back now, I wish I would have gotten those two extra years to um, just kind of prepare myself a little bit more to learn more about myself, more about you know, life and, mm -hmm. um, just the day-to-day -day basics where you come in, obviously Jet Lawrence is like, right. Um, like he was able to come in and do it, but a lot of guys can't. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was one of those guys where I, I wasn't matured enough and, um, I failed in some aspects of that career and, um, I wish I could go back and change things, but you know, things happen for a reason. And, um, like I said, I'm thankful to be, be in the position I am, I'm in now. Yeah, I mean, and you you achieve more than ninety nine point nine percent of the people that ride dirt bikes out there. Yeah. You're just getting to the point where you're at. And one thing I I'm sure you don't like to remember, but one of the highlights out, and I'm sure you gets brought up all the time, is that time you were leading that heat race. I think it was heat race in Dallas, and yep. you scrubbed that triple and had a big get off like that. 
that was gnarly. And I, you know, it, yeah, I know you had some injuries from there, but um, I mean, you definitely showed some speed. It's just unfortunate with the injuries. Right. And so, um, you know, you wrote for Geico Honda for a couple of years and you switched to rockstar Husky. And then I know, I think the last year that you rode, uh, supercross and outdoors, you were on, um, a Yamaha. I don't know if it was a privateer, yeah. privateer effort. Yeah. Um, so, you know, moving, so going from supercross to motocross, did you ever think, was that ever a thought in your mind that you would be where you're at now, you know, off-road, did you ever think of off-road? Was that ever anything you had ever talked about before? Or is that something that just came up and you're like, man, this is a good opportunity that you wanted to jump on it? Um, so at the time, no, that last year in 2016, when I was on that Yamaha, um, I had broke my collarbone and I went through a bunch of complications with surgeries where I had a, it is called a Epsilep or something kind of, it was a really bad infection that was starting to eat at my skin and my bone. Um, where they were talking about taking out my collarbone um, wow. and it was getting into my bloodstream. So it wasn't good. So I had, I think four surgeries back to back where it was just a flesh eating bacteria. Um, and I honestly thought my racing was done. Like I couldn't lift my arm over my shoulder or my arm over my head, like couldn't do a push up, couldn't do anything. And I finally found a, a surgeon that was willing to, to take on that risk. And um, we finally got it under control and, I was work. I was working a nine to five construction job selling roofing, so I was like, you know, this is probably the time that I'm done. And out of the blue, I got a call from Mark Samuels at SLR Honda, you know, asking if I'd be willing to come try one of their bikes and do the. It was back then. It was called the Big Six Series, mm -hmm. and I knew I wanted to ride a dirt bike, and that was my way back in. Um, and I had won my first year coming back that 2017 Big Six Championship, and um, that skyrocketed my, my career into off-road, but no, there was no thought of coming into off-road. Um, I thought it was supercross and motocross only. That was, you know, the only thing I knew growing up, mm -hmm. obviously knew about works and GNCC, but I didn't know about any of the, 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 the other series. Yeah. It's crazy when you get into that side of things, you know, how big they are. Um, and I remember when you, when it was announced that you were going to go ride those series, when, when you signed with Mark with SLR Honda, uh, I was actually racing that series that year too, obviously not in your class, but uh, I was like, oh, that's cool. Cause like, I'd seen you, you know, watching you, you know, turn pro and racing supercross motocross. And I'm like, man, a guy of this caliber come over here. That's, that's really cool. Um, I got to know though, you know, going from racing motocross, supercross to, to racing off-road, your first impression where you just like, wow, what is this? Cause you know, you're racing an hour and a half or two hours, depending on the series you're racing, you guys are getting the track when it's, you know, at its most roughest, driest yep. and, uh, toughest so were you like was it a hard adaptation adaptation or were you just like you know what this is fun and i'm just gonna go for it well i mean there were there were three things that um were definitely like this is completely different than what i'm used to it was one it was the people everybody's family mm -hmm. and off-road it was just like you know every competitor coming up saying hi and how are you doing you know it's cool to have you here where before i wasn't used to you know, anybody coming up to talk to you, like you can't talk to anybody at track walk and supercross <laughs> without being looked at weird. And yeah. um, so that was one I was like, man, everybody's friendly here. Like, you know, another team's coming to talk to me and ask how I'm doing and if I like it and, you know, what can I do to the track to make it better? And and the number two was, man, how long the days are, you know, we're there Saturday. I think it was Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, Long days, long practices. I'm used to 10 minute practices. So I was like, holy crap, I got to do two 45-minute practices before I race for two hours? 
<laughs> and I was like, oh crap, like, man, this is gnarly. So my hands were super mm. beat up. And then comes Sunday. Sunday <laughs> was like, oh my gosh, what did I really get myself into? Two hours. The track is, you know, so beat. I've never seen anything, you know, this, this rough. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, I've, I'm already signed up. Like, so then it just came back to me as like, I know how to ride a dirt bike. Just go out there. Like, this is your first race. And um, I really started to enjoy it after that first race. It was just like, man, like I have so much time on my dirt bike. Now I know how to do it. And I started winning races and I fell in love with the off-road side. Yeah, it was funny. I was talking to Cole Martinez um, about when he made the switch over and he he had a funny story about his first race was at Taft, you know, it was hot, the dry, uh -huh. you, you know, how Taft gets the dry silt beds and everything. And he was just like, he was out there an hour in and there's no one out there and it was hot and so rough. And he was thinking to himself at first, like, what am I doing? But he pushed through. So um, it, it definitely is a lot more riding. And I think people lose, don't have a perspective of the off-road, right? You have a guy of your caliber come in. Yeah. Um, I know you won your, that, the, the big six now, now called NGPC, but back in 2017, your first year or when you came in though, with, you know, the level you were at being a pro and, you know, coming up as an amateur, were you surprised at the pace these off-road guys have? I think some people lose perspective of how good these guys out there actually are. Yeah. I mean, at the time it was Blaine Thompson, Eric Yorba, Justin Seeds, Trevor Stewart. Like these guys were ripping and I was like, holy crap. Like they're sprinting harder than I can. And like, they're riding this track, this rough track, like it's nothing. So I'm like, like, man, my expectations were like, man, it's off road. Like these guys can't <laughs> that quick. Like they really can't. And man, did I get, you know, my ass beat that first weekend at, uh, I think it was Adelanto where mm -hmm. Lane Thompson, I was second behind him, behind him. And he just gapped me. Like we're doing hundred miles an hour down this, down this street. Yep. And I'm like, it turns straight to dirt. That's rough. And I'm like, this guy's willing to send it into that. Like, holy crap. That's when I got the perspective of like, these guys like to send it and they're fast. Yeah. And it definitely, and I, you know, we've seen it with the guys coming back from off-road and racing some nationals. I mean, and nowadays, right. I mean, it's very competitive. There's even more fast guys out there. And um, I think it's cool. Like what you said earlier, comparing it to moto and supercross where, you know, I grew up and a lot of people grow up racing it. And when you switch off road, it's more of like a family atmosphere. These series, you yeah. know, the, the works in, in GPC are pretty similar. A lot of the same guys, some guys do some other series, but yeah, it's just a totally different vibe. It's fun. It's a light atmosphere. Obviously you guys are, you know, still expected to get some results, but it's just a totally different vibe than your typical moto scene. Yeah. I mean, and it's fun because you can make these weekends fun. Like if you don't win, I mean, at least you went out there trying um, and sometimes things don't work out, but I just knew that I could make the best out of this, this um, contract with Mark. And um, it was just having fun on the dirt bike again. And Mark gave me that. Um, and I was thankful for that, for him to just, you know, allow me to come on um, and get on his bike and just go out there and be myself. And um, it turned into something really good. Yeah, that's cool. And so you had success right away. Like you mentioned, you know, you won the first year of the big six and, um, you know, you finished second quite a few times over the next couple of years. And, yeah. and I think you ran into some injuries for a couple of years. Um, yeah. Were, were those, you know, from racing or were they a lot of practice injuries? What, what was going on? I think it was like 2020 and 2021. 
Yeah, so um one in twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, um, I got on a Husqvarna and I had a lot of bike issues. Um, but I was second that year. Um then I got onto a Cowie, which is the team I'm on now. Um, I believe what was twenty nineteen? Yeah, 2019, I was second again uh, because we were doing works and sprint enduro. So I wasn't able to race um, in GPC. Um, I missed two rounds, but I all the other rounds I did on my own, and I won all six of them, and I missed the championship by, I think, six points by missing two rounds. Um, 2020, was leading the championship, had a bike malfunction, um, engine locked up, but I still was like in the points. Um, we had our break, um, came back and it was a practice day Thursday. I think it was a week before our season started back up and I just had a small tip over and broke my collarbone. So had to miss a few races with that. Um, 2021, I had my knee injury where, um, I had a, a bike lock up at me at star West. It sent me over the bars and I dislocated my hip and tore my ACL and, uh, meniscus. I tried to power through that year and, and race. Um, I, I believe I got a few wins, but it just got to the point where I just couldn't grip on the bike anymore. And I just didn't feel safe. So I, I missed that year. Um, but also in two, uh, 21, I came back, it was the end of, uh, December. I was out practicing with my brother-in-law and I just hit a rock that was in a wash that was, wasn't visible. And, um, that's whenever I broke my wrist and it, took almost a full year to, to get back on the bike. And, um, that's been one of the gnarliest things I've had to come, you know, come back from. Yeah. It's crazy when you think about all the injuries that we can have in the sport and yeah. those, those wrist injuries are the ones that usually take its toll. I mean, there's been lots of guys that, you know, have these wrist injuries where you have to have multiple surgeries or you get it fused or whatever it may be. And that's, you know, you're holding onto a dirt bike for, especially in your case, an hour and a half, two hours. It, yeah. those, those are probably the most, those are the toughest ones to come back from and take the longest. Cause again, you're, you know, holding onto a bike going 60, 70 miles an hour through rough bumps and stuff like that. It's, it's a little different than, you know, if you're playing basketball or something. Yeah. I mean, whenever I came back from the ACL injury, everything was good, felt good. Um, I broke my wrist. What, what happened was, is I, um, it wasn't even the brakes that were bad. I did a ulna fracture. I did a radial distal, uh, a distal radius fracture but I also ruptured the ligaments from my wrist to my hand. Um, so it was dislocated for nine hours. So I lost the blood supply to the lunate um, and that started to die. So whenever I had surgery, only one of those ligaments were repairable. And that was the scaphid, the scaphid, uh, scaphid lunate. Um, and that's the only ligament that's holding my wrist together that gives me any kind of mobility. Um, so yeah, whenever I'm riding, it's, it's super, pa uh, super painful. And, um, yeah, for two hours, it, it takes a toll on it. And, uh, this year it's, it's been a struggle just because of, you know, coming back from not racing for two years. So missing out on that. Um, and then also just trying to recover from this and build that speed back up. And I've had some good results this year, but, um, I think I've had four thirds and, um, multiple top five. So I'm, getting closer to that spot. And then last weekend, um, I was leading that works race and had a massive lead and I had a bike lock up with three laps to go. So I should have, should have won that, but, um, it's just been a rough few years, but 
I mean, I, it's what I signed up for. Yeah, definitely. That was one of the things I was going to ask you is I know you're coming back from injuries. How, how, how have you thought, you know, 2023 has gone so far for you? And I know you guys had that, which is nice. You guys have that summer break, which is cool. Cause um, you know, it gives you time to recover, especially if you have injuries uh-huh. or also recover, you know, your body during the summertime too, to come back out for the rest of the year. Um, are you happy with how 2023 has gone so far? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I would like to, you know, have some wins under my belt to be a little bit closer in the the top three in the points. Um, there were a few races where I had some DNFs, um, and also some like sevenths and fifths that weren't good just because my wrist just wasn't able to, to tolerate the race. Um, but I had a really good off season, um, was able to let my wrist recover quite a bit and get some testing done and, um, to, get this wrist a little bit better, a little bit better for this last, uh, five races. So, I mean, yes and no, I mean, no's with those DNFs and other things, but yes, I was able to, you know, show up and race and be able to be at every race, which was good. That was my goal is to, to have a building year, but, you know, to have a building year on a contract year is super hard. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I should have some wins, but, you know, DNF last weekend and, you know, somewhere on me. So it, it's an unfortunate. Yeah. And that's, and, but, and, you know, you think back, right. You were leading the race and, you know, had a bike malfunction. At least you were doing your part, you know, sometimes those things are out of your control, but so at least you were showing that you were getting back to where, you know, you were before and where you can be, especially after that break, you know, you're able to build from there. And yeah, it kind of leads me into that for, uh, you know, for 2024. So you just mentioned it's a contract year. Do you have what do you have anything, you know, locked up for 24? Are you still exploring your options? What are you what are your hopes for 2024? What do you what do you want to do? I mean, as of right now, um, I don't have anything. No one's uh reached out to me or I mean, I haven't really been um, reaching out to anybody else just because I mean my name should speak for itself, like my results. I'm one of the winningest guys in off-road on the West Coast. Um so it's a bummer to not, you know, have anybody wanting me and um, wanting to get me for next year. So it, it it's a bummer, but I mean, I get things happen. I've had, you know, a few rough years, but I don't think that should discredit, you know, my name and my results and everything that I've accomplished in this short seven years of off-road. I, I feel like, you know, I've earned my way in and, um, but yeah, there, there's nothing set for next year for me. Yeah, and that's cool. And so you have, obviously, again, you showed that you still have the speed, you know, when you came back for the first works race that they had. And, you know, yeah. you have some more races for the rest of the year to kind of kind of show that where I'm sure that's probably added pressure that maybe you don't want to have because, you know, those are always those are always tough when you have that in the back of your mind that, you know, yeah. you're trying to prove a point to someone to sign you for next year. But, you know, at least that you have these next, you know, four four months or so, that three months or so that you can – hopefully open some eyes and, and kind of do the same thing for next year that you, you know, that you and you have been doing and you've enjoyed doing. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the the goal um, after our break was to, uh, you know, just put ourselves in a really good position and just see where things go. And that was, you know, what I did last week and obviously unfortunate of events, but I mean, I'm still out there sending it and I'm still out there putting my heart and soul into it. So um you know, we'll see where things go. Um, I have four more races left and we'll just, we'll see what happens.
Yeah. And so this brings me to really one of my last questions, you know, kind of wrapping everything up, you know, you come in from amateurs, you make it to supercross motocross, you know, you were horizon winner. You had some good results as a pro you've been really successful off-road. Yeah. You know, for, if you can go back and talk to a younger Zach Bell, knowing the things, you know, now, what are some of the things that you would tell the younger Zach Bell that, you know, you wish you would have known at the time? Um, one would be patient when we're young we want to go we want to be at the races um so yeah i wasn't patient and i don't think you know i was allowed to be patient when i was younger just because i feel like i came into the to my pro career i was hurt i had a a pretty bad break in my arm <clears throat> so i raced loretta's with pretty much a half broken arm and got through that and it was just you know survival mode after that i um dealt with that for that year. And then I went and turned pro at Southwick had a decent result there or actually, no, it wasn't a decent result. I ended up being up that weekend. And then, uh, Unadilla came around. Um, I was running fourth, um, behind, I think it was Barsha on the first race, having a good race, ended up selling the bike, got seventh or eighth, the first moto and second moto. Um, hit the sky shot and landed and just got cross-threaded, ended up breaking my back and neck. And I felt like from then it was just, you know, it was just downhill. I'd, I had so many injuries that I couldn't recover from. And, you know, in our contracts, we're only allowed to miss two races, I believe, in the year or else like our salary gets cut in half or um, we start losing some stuff in our contract. So that was a bummer. I always felt like I had to, you know, race when I was injured. Um, so yeah, just being patient, you know, wishing I could get a little bit more time to recover. Um, and two, just look forward, you know, there's always brighter days ahead. And, um, some of those tougher days, I, I felt like they were the end and I didn't think there was a tomorrow. So yeah, being patient and knowing there's, uh, there's brighter days ahead. Yeah, definitely. That's a, that's something obviously, you know, when you're young, it's hard to have that perspective, but looking back now that, you know, you've learned over the years that you can have that perspective. And I think it is crazy where, you know, you mentioned with contracts and, and injuries, you know, they start docking pay and stuff like that, which is yeah. kind of insane with, you know, you're riding a dirt bike for a living, things happen. Sometimes mm -hmm. your fault, sometimes not your fault, but it it's just a stressful sport to be in right always wondering you know you think about contracts there for a year or two max and yeah. it's always what's next and how you know you're only as good as your last race and as much as we love it at times it just can be i can imagine the stress behind it all yeah i mean especially being that young too um that's that's the crazy part just being 16 and um <laughs> signing to <laughs> to race it, it's crazy it is well, hey, dude, we appreciate you taking the time to do this with us today. So, like, I wanted to have you on this because, again, with you know uh, your success as a pro and and moving to off road, and that's something that we're wanting to cover a lot more is off road because yeah. I feel like it's you know there's a lot there's a lot of good guys out there and there's not a lot of coverage. So we appreciate talking to you guys. And before yeah. I let you go, I wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, give a shout out to the guys that make it happen for you. Yeah, um, I. First and foremost, I'd like to thank my wife and um, everything she does for me on the weekends and um, the day-to-day. -day. Um, she's she's amazing. She makes my job a lot easier. 
Um, and I like to thank Precision Concepts, Chaparral Kawasaki, uh, Liat, just everybody in the off-road scene, um, Market SLR, just basically everybody in the community. And I really appreciate you guys, and um, we'll see you guys at the races. Awesome, man. Well, hey, good luck in the rest of the races this year. And, you know, I know you probably feel like you have something to prove. But, yeah, man, good luck the rest of the year, and we appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Brent.